Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm the poor, unfortunate soul that Kate has to put up with. <laughs> I'm her husband, a.k.a. I'm Bob. Doesn't that make me the poor, unfortunate soul? Uh, you know, tomato, tomato. Or clamato. Oh. We'll get to that later. So we're back. It's been a couple of weeks, you guys. It is. Yeah. To put it lightly. 2020 did not hold back for the end of the year. No. The normal holiday craziness aside, I worked a long stretch over Christmas. Wasn't even going to get to celebrate Christmas until the 29th. And felt pretty crappy most of the week. I had a rash over like a quarter of my body. Still fighting that buddy off. And turns out that that can be a symptom of COVID. So I got COVID tested instead of having Christmas with my dad. Not once, but twice. But twice. Yeah, the first one was a rapid test, and apparently that can be a little dicey. And I felt even crappier a couple days later, so I was like, I should get a legit one. So I've been out of work for the last three days, waiting for results. But I am officially COVID negative and back to work tomorrow. But it, it's been a couple of weeks, to put it lightly. Um, so that's all I got going in my life. We're crossing our fingers. Bob might have a job lining up. He's got a second interview, everybody. You can't see it, but I am crossing my fingers as well. Yeah, everybody cross them with us, please. Much appreciated. Uh, that's all I got. You got anything new and exciting to talk about? No, not really. Uh, welcome back to 2021. We're out of that horrible year and things are Bye, going Felicia. down now in the country, but we're not worried about that. We're worried about Disney+. Plus. Yeah, let's not think about the people literally storming the Capitol right now and <sighs> instead talk about a really, really good movie, huh? Okay. But first off, let's start with some news. Disney has announced some of the series and films that are coming to star, their subset of Disney Plus for more mature audiences. As of now, no word of if and when this is coming to the US. Right now it's launching pretty much everywhere but here. Latin America will get its own standalone app in June of 2021. Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore will just have it integrated into Disney Plus itself starting this February. And subscription prices are going to go up in those countries for the extra service, which makes sense. Yeah. When this first started coming around, and I haven't seen any updates for the U.S. on whether we are or not going to get anything, it doesn't make sense to not, because what are you going to do with Deadpool? What are you going to do with all that? You're not just going to let that sit out there. 
Right. There's got to be some lawyery bullshit that's slowing down the process here in the States. There was talk that what it's going to be is it's going to be integrated like this. That's part of what they're developing is my bet is making it somehow parental password protected so that you have to put in a password to get to the 18 plus stuff. Right. Which is fair. I mean, Disney is generally considered more child friendly. So I understand them being a little hesitant about that part. Yep. I don't look forward to the subscription going up, but again, to have the entire catalog of Fox, Disney, Searchlight, all of that, you know, stuff in one place, it's worth it. Yeah, I'll never not pay for Disney+. Plus. Like, we just got CBS All Access. If Star Trek Discovery gets canceled, once we've seen The Stand, I could probably get rid of it. That's not necessarily one I'm going to be on board with for the long, long term. No, I'm pulling all my Star Trek shows out of that as soon as I can to stand. Twilight Zone. I want to watch Twilight Zone. Yeah. But other than those three and Picard, which I'm just kind of looping in with all the Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Riker and Diana, I think, are talks to have a show. And Lower Decks has been getting some good reviews. But yeah, I just, I can't have a different app and subscription service for every channel. Some stuff is going to get cut out. Yeah. Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Disney Plus are enough. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we digress. They've announced two original series for Star. The first is Big Sky, which I've been seeing trailers for this. Is this not airing on ABC? I thought it was out. It's, um, I'm pretty sure it's on Prime. Interesting. Anyway, it's a mystery thriller about the kidnapping of two sisters, and it's uh, run by David E. Kelly. The second series is Love, Victor, and it's a series set in the world of the 2018 film Love, Simon. Interesting. So that could be cute. Other older items that are coming to star, a lot of Fox properties and ABC properties here, Lost, 24, Desperate Housewives, How I Met Your Mother, Prison Break, X-Files. Having all the X-Files on hand would be pretty sweet. Atlanta, yeah. Blackish, and some of the Die Hard movies. Hmm. In other Disney Plus news, the Lizzie McGuire revival that was announced last year is no longer happening. Hilary Duff has confirmed that herself. Lizzie McGuire was a little bit past my time, so I'm not super brokenhearted about that, but I know a lot of people are. The next Disney Plus original movie that is coming out is going to be on February 19th, and it's called Flora and Ulysses. It's based on a book of the same name written by Kate DiCamillo and illustrated by KG Campbell. And it's about a girl who befriends a squirrel that has superpowers. I don't know anything about it, but it sounds like my kind of jam. That sounds amazing. How have I not heard about this? Yeah, when I saw the poster, I was like, is that a squirrel girl adaptation? What's happening? But apparently it's based on a kid's book. Interesting. All right, Bob, I know we don't have much for the Marvel Minute, but you want to give us what we got? Sure. So we're recording as of the 6th. So what we have as of right now is that WandaVision has been expanded from the original noted six episodes to nine episodes. So we're getting 50% more. Premiere is a double episode. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this series. We're coming up on it. We're less than two weeks away. I'm here for it. I can't wait. That is like getting me through January. <laughs> just like, just make it to WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision is the kickoff. And then once we, we finally get our taste of a Marvel MCU property in over a year. Yeah, I'm chomping at the bit at this point. The other thing that is just kind of pre-news, Robert Downey Jr. is back in talks to come back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the Ironheart series. There's also talk of possibly cameoing in Don Cheadle's Armor Wars. So there's there's lots of stuff 
still churning in the uh, Disney Plus world. I think it'd be a big deal to finally put Robert Downey Jr. in a Disney Plus show. And I know everybody's like, oh, too soon, too Think, guys, Ironheart is a ways off yet. It, we're not talking, you know, the next property coming up after Endgame. You've got, I think, something like six other shows in between till we get to Ironheart or something close to that. Yeah, and I think if he comes back just as, like, the voice of an AI that's yeah. helping her out or something, I Which think Which is that's what it cool. is in the like, comics. Like, I don't think that yeah. will, like, tarnish his arc that ended no. in Endgame. And if anything, I think it'd be really cute if somehow they tied Morgan into it and maybe, like, it's extrapolated from that little video message from the funeral or, you know, some somehow that they make it part of him. I think that's the way to go for it. Yeah, I'm 100% open to that. All right, so on to our drink for this week. This one gave me a lot of trouble. <laughs> I had to fiddle around with a lot. I almost got wasted yesterday just trying different shit. Tell them what you tried to subject me to. Well, I guess you did subject me to I it. I did, I did. So just to kind of fulfill that seafood theme with the Little Mermaid movie, I introduced Kate on her TikTok account. Where is that? At Disney Roulette Pod. Yeah, she uh, she takes a, a good gulp of the Budweiser Clamato base, which is tomato and clam juice mixed with Budweiser. It is a, a canned drink that you can buy in places. I don't hate them. What, what did you think, honey? It's disgusting. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah, so it's not the official drink, so I'm, I'm sad to say. So the drink that I ended up settling on after a lot of experimenting yesterday is a layered shot. On the bottom is grenadine. On top of that is a little bit of Chambord. And on top of that is a pre-mixed bit of coconut rum and melon liqueur. And a little bit of the edible glitter dust stuff to make it look extra mermaidy, And put that on top. And you kind of get an upside down aerial. It's red and then a little strip of purple and then the iridescent green above it. And it came out okay. It was not too bad. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It tasted very much Bahama mama E. Yeah, it was very fruity. Yeah. All right, on to our trivia. Howard Ashman, the lyricist, was the one to suggest that Sebastian have a Caribbean accent instead of English. And this eventually led to the Calypso-style numbers of Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl. So you can thank him for pretty much everything we associate with Sebastian. Also, fun fact, his accent is not Jamaican. It is Trinidadian. So says the voice actor. That makes sense. Yep. This is the first Disney film to receive an Academy Award since Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which came out 18 years before. Wow. And this one is kind of like my go-to trivia about this movie. I love it. Jeffrey Katzenberg wanted Part of Your World to get cut. They screened it for some kids, and they seemed kind of restless and bored during the test screening. But the directors, John Musker, Rob Clements, and Howard Ashman, not the director, but, you know, the lyricist, fought hard to keep it, and they explained to him the importance of the quote-unquote I Want song. It's what gets the audience on the protagonist's side. Ashman specifically referenced his song Somewhere That's Green from Little Shop of Horrors, which kind of fulfills the same role. Ultimately, it was head animator Glenn Keane who convinced him after showing the scene to a test audience of adults, and some of them left the screening crying. So they were like, oh, okay, maybe this actually is an important sequence. <laughs> they, of course, were right, and it has since set the precedent that eventually every subsequent Disney movie would have this I Want song. And this is just a list of the ones that followed. So you can pretty much thank John Musker, Rob Clements, and Howard Ashman for the existence of all of these songs. Here we go. Bell. One Jump Ahead. I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Just Around the River Bend. Out There. 
Go the Distance, Reflection, Strangers Like Me, Almost There, When Will My Life Begin, For the First Time in Forever, and How Far I'll Go. Thank you, men. You have changed cinema. Yeah. Uh, This is the first film of the quote-unquote Disney renaissance. If you have not seen the movie Waking Sleeping Beauty, go watch it right now. It is on Disney+, and it is a documentary about Disney's slump in the 80s and how The Little Mermaid literally saved the Disney animation department. It's really, really good. This was the last Disney animated film to use painted cells in analog film work. This one I did not know, and this is awesome. Patrick Stewart had to turn down the role of King Triton due to scheduling conflicts with Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I don't get me wrong, I love Patrick Stewart like more than anything, but it's hard for me to imagine Triton with anyone else's voice. His voice is pretty iconic. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to place the actor now. I conveniently have IMDb open right now. It's Kenneth Mars. He's not the guy from Moulin Rouge, is he? No. You're thinking Jim Broadbent? Probably. I, I don't know. You know I don't know actor names. Now I've got to look at it. Yeah, he's a voice actor. It's all like voice actory stuff. I mean, not all, but it's predominantly voice actoring. Oh, uh, Young Frankenstein. That's actually where I know him from. Police Academy. He was the evil police captain. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into the movie. Oh, I had another piece of trivia for you. Oh, what's that? Triton's Daughters all represent the seven seas, the seven daughters of Triton. See what they did there. Uh Uh-huh. Nice. Okay, so my first note doesn't even actually begin with this movie. It begins with Disney+. Plus. The old movies don't have the old castle intro. No. It's all the 3D castle, and that makes me really sad. Why not keep it for the older stuff? That's a bummer. Anyway. Branding! (sighs) Stupid. We open up and it's the ship sailing in the sea. And the fact that this ship was animated by hand on cells is super impressive to me. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that would 100% be CGI'd because trying to animate all the details of a ship as it's moving through water is not easy. Not to mention the water itself would normally be 3D at this point. Right. And then when they dip under the water, they use this kind of ripple effect that is incredibly effective. And I have no idea how they did it. They only use it for the opening sequence, and I don't know if they used, like, rippled glass when they were taking the pictures of the cells or what, but it's really, really cool. The other note that I have for the intro is that the overture is just fucking incredible because Alan Menken is a genius, which we all know, but it's legitimately super, super beautiful music. I mean, it's a true old-style Broadway movie overture. It sets the tone. It's exactly what an overture is supposed to do. So there's a big concert and Ariel is supposed to make her grand debut singing in this concert, but she no-shows. She is with her little friend Flounder the fish exploring a shipwreck. While she's down there, she finds her precious fork that will become infamous for the rest of the movie, and then they get attacked by a shark named Glut. Glut. But they manage to get away. When would we find out his name? I have never heard it in the movie, but I've heard it referenced since. Yeah. That Disney Sorcerer's game that I play on my phone. Yeah. They do a... Not sponsored. Not sponsored. There is an Ursula campaign, uh, like a raid, classic World of Warcraft style. And first you fight Glut and then Flotsam and Jetsam, and then you take on Ursula. Interesting. That was actually where I learned what his name was. Interesting. So they're very intrigued by this fork. They decide to take it to their friend Scuttle the Seagull. Buddy Hackett! Yes, he's a very worldly, worldly seagull. And he informs them that it's a dinglehopper. 
and it's used for brushing your hair. That was almost the name of the drink. Oh yeah, we didn't give the name of the drink, did we? What I did guess... we decide on? I don't even remember. I don't know. Oh no, we did decide on Dingle Hopper. It's the Dingle Hopper! Yes, the drink is called the Dingle Hopper. <laughs> well organized. Listen. <laughs> we made it through 2020. Achievement unlocked. I'm good there. By the way, I'm diverting already, but I have to say, through 2020, thank you to our listeners. We've seen a huge response of people downloading the episodes and listening to it. And thank you for all of 2020. And let's uh, keep that precedent up. Yeah, for real, guys. I legitimately was just making this as a creative outlet for me and Bob. Like, I don't... I mean, he he's a very grand person who has grand hopes and dreams for our podcasting life. I, I don't just, know what you're talking about. I'm a humble, humble... Meek, mild. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> You're so full of shit. Modesty is one of my better qualities. Ha. <laughs> but I legit was just making this as something fun to have some kind of creative output because work and commute was taking over my life. And I never in a million years thought that we would have over 800 downloads. I figured I would have a couple friends that subscribed just to be nice and no one would listen Since to September. it. September. That's not even a full year. Yeah, and that is mind-blowing to me. So thank you so much, guys. I'm glad you're enjoying it. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. Uh, so yes, he informs them that it's called a dingle hopper. It's used for brushing your hair. This will most certainly not come into play later. No. And then they say, well, what is this? And they hand him a smoking pipe and he tells them it's a snarf blat. And then he says that it's used for playing music. And that makes Ariel remember that she's supposed to be at the concert. Oh, shit. Okay, I just want to point out that this is easily ADD called out way before ADD was a thing. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, this scene probably resonated really hard with you, didn't it, baby? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't <laughs> almost, no, absolutely miss a college final my freshman year just sitting there going wait aren't you no i'm not supposed to shit oh no <laughs> yeah it was a bad day yikes yeah next we meet ursula the sea witch with her awesome tentacles she is bemoaning the days when she used to live in the castle but now she's been banished and she tells her little minions flotsam and jetsam to little eels to keep an eye on ariel because she has a feeling that she could use that little princess to her benefit after Ariel goes back to her father Triton to apologize for missing the concert, Flounder lets it slip to Triton that not only did they miss the concert, but they went to the surface, which is a big, big no-no, and he is pissed. Flounder, be fucking cool. I... he... Uh... I mean, he means well, but be cool. Yeah. And then we get the part of your world scene. It's so good. It's so good. And even as a little kid, when I theoretically could have been super bored by this scene, I really liked it, so... No, I, there's something about the animation during that song that has a different level to it. It's more fluid. It's more lifelike. And often when I think about Disney animation at its best, it's that scene. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you can tell that they obviously spent a lot of time really just nailing out that scene. And I think they also, there's like little slapsticky stuff kind of happening in the background with Sebastian getting trapped under some of her trinkets and stuff uh -huh. like that. I think they did a good job of throwing in things to kind of help entertain kids for the course of the song. Right. That's the beauty of the Disney humor is you can have this big serious thing going on and dramatic moments and still make it funny. And I think they're still doing that today. When you look at even Marvel stuff, you know, they learned to balance that. And I think a lot of that started here. I think what you said earlier, though, too, with having to animate that 
to convince them to keep the song in, I think that may be part of why it's a different level of animation. They, they spent longer on it. Right, like they had to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a down thing. I think that's amazing. To be honest, I wish they did the rest of the movie to that quality. But still, really good. Yeah. One of the stories I came across when I was researching trivia, apparently Glenn Keane, Ariel's lead animator, was really kind of disappointed in the end of the song when she extends her hand out through the hole. And I think it just came off a little bit more cheesy than he wanted it to. Hmm. But they had a time crunch, so he kind of just had to accept it and let it go. But then somebody met him later on, and she said that when she was a kid, when Ariel reached her hand out, she wanted to grab her hand and, like, pull her up to the surface. And he said that after that lady told him that story, he never felt ashamed of that scene ever again, which I thought was really cute. And if you go to Disney's Magic, the 3D show in the Magic Kingdom, they do that sequence, and... Ariel reaches both of her arms out, and my favorite thing is to watch all the little kids in the audience because all of them try to reach out and touch her, and it's so super cute. But anyway, I just thought that was a nice little cutesy story. I'm trying not to make it pervy. Don't make it pervy! The dads reach out too. Oh. <laughs> God, what a ruiner. <laughs> You're gross. <laughs> Why did I marry you? <laughs> anyway... Next, we go to Eric on the ship, and they are having a deck party, and I love the music in the scene. Even as a kid, this music stood out to me a lot, and I was always sad that there was never a song around it. And then they made the Broadway musical, and they actually turned that music into a song, and they use it when he's teaching her how to dance. That little, like, quick shot that they show in the montage of them in the town, they actually turn into a scene in the Broadway show. And he sings a song called One Step Closer that's set to the music in that scene. And I love it so much. I often feel like the guys get no play in these Disney princess musicals. And I think that would, would add to it. I think it gives Eric a little bit more substance. Yeah, it's a really cute song. Generally, with the exception of maybe The Lion King on Broadway, that one I'll just sit and listen to the whole soundtrack. But as far as Beauty and the Beast and Tarzan and The Little Mermaid, I tend to just pick out the new songs that were written for the musical and kind of save those. But as far as the regular songs go, I just want to listen to the original Disney versions. You know Obby. what I mean? Yeah. And overall, I wasn't super blown away. The Little Mermaid Broadway soundtrack, mostly because they gave Scuttle a lot of songs and I don't think that's something you needed to do. Yeah, my issue is is they really high-ended Sebastian in the musical. They made him a tenor. And, I mean, we got some great music out of it. And I believe What's-His-Head was actually one of the original Sebastians. Titus. Titus, yeah. Yeah. From uh, Kimmy Schmidt. That's my thing. I love that Sebastian has that deep baritone, you know, Trinidad voice. Like, it just, it's a one-of-a-kind character, and not every beautiful male voice has to be a tenor. I'm just saying. I know. It's okay, Bass. I love you. I love you too, honey. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, anyway, that song was one of the few that actually stood out to me from the Broadway musical. And the Heelys. And what? That's how they, they simulated everybody swimming around is on stage is everybody's on Heelys. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Oh, yeah. I saw stuff of her, like, sitting on stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of her sitting on stuff. But in the Broadway musical, a lot of them are on Heelys. And that's how they float around on the stage. 
I mean, that makes sense. It's really cool looking. I, I, I'm not dissing it. I think it's actually really cool. It's just one of those weird things of if you weren't prepared for it, you go, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's like the old Tarzan show they used to have at Animal Kingdom. It was everybody on rollerblades because when they designed the way Tarzan moved in the movie, they oh, based yeah. it off of skaters. Rollerbladers going in between the slaloms. Yeah. Yeah, they based it off of skaters and surfers. So they did an entire show with rollerbladers. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. That's actually really well done. I don't remember what exactly. It must just have been him dancing because it's the same scene but my next note is ariel i feel you girl he's pretty <laughs> <laughs> well is this oh yeah she's just seeing him on the ship and she's yeah like, she's just sitting gorgeous. on the side of the ship watching the deck party yeah so then eric reveals the giant statue that oh fuck what's his name grim grimsley grimsby grimsby yep. yeah Eric reveals a giant statue that Grimsby has commissioned for him. And this thing is fucking massive. It's like three or four feet taller than Eric and solid stone. And I'm pretty sure that would just go right through the deck. <laughs> that thing yeah. has to weigh like over a ton, right? <laughs> Things you don't put on a sailing vessel is a giant stone fucking weight. <laughs> yeah. On the side of it, too. So the whole ship would kind of lean to the one side. <laughs> I also really like thinking of the logistics of how they got it on the ship. Like, they had to get a crane of some sort. If they had cranes back then, I was probably just a bunch of dudes pulling on a rope just to set it on the ship. It's probably the rigging for the, the sails and whatnot. Just kind right. of, yeah. So they lift this thing and set it on the ship just for the grand reveal to then lift it back off the ship and move it back to shore. Anyway. Then a big surprise hurricane pops up, and it runs the ship into a bunch of rocks, and lightning sets the ship on fire. Okay, hold on. My favorite part is they're just sailing along, they're having a party, everything's cool, it's starting to get a little dark, and then the guy in the crow's nest goes, Uh-oh, there's a hurricane! And it's here, right <laughs> now! Right. We didn't see that 20 miles ago! But yeah, so the crew gets on a lifeboat and Eric somehow forgets his fucking dog until the dog is like, hey dude, I'm still on the boat that's on fire. <laughs> and the dog isn't even like where they all were for some reason. The dog is now below deck. I noticed that too. I was like, wait, we were all at the party on the top and now the, the, do the dog is below next to the powder keg and the fireworks and the boat's on fire. Yeah, Eric lost some serious points for getting on that lifeboat without his dog. I was mad at him. Yeah. Anyway, Eric makes it back to the boat to get his dog. Max, the dog, manages to make it back to the lifeboat just as the fire hits the gunpowder and the ship explodes. Hold on. I gotta give it back points to Eric because he did not just get the dog off. He hefted that big old shaggy dog who weighed probably anywhere from 75 to 100 pounds. Just baby cradled that sucker. Well, <laughs> yeah, he better. He left him on the fucking boat. <laughs> I get that. But Eric is buff. I mean, yeah, he is. I'm, I'm just saying. So the ship explodes. Everyone thinks Eric's dead. But Ariel, of course, sees him in the water and rescues him and pulls him to shore. And for anyone who plays Sea of Thieves, you never put the boom barrel below deck. It's just serious pirating. I'm just saying. Yeah, no boom booms below deck. Yeah. Ever. Never. Ariel sings the reprise of Part of Your World to him as he's regaining consciousness. And he is enamored and blown away by her beautiful voice. And he instantly falls in love with her. At that moment, I even looked at Kate mid-movie and said, he could easily be played by a young Brandon Routh. Yeah, he looks just like Brandon Routh. Yeah, especially in that scene. 
Flotsam and Jetsam catch this little interaction on what I call their eyeball cams, because Ursula is able to see straight through one of each of their eyeballs to form one picture. evil witch sea hag uh, magic. Yes. So now that she knows that Ariel is in love with this human man, she is formulating a plan. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it I thought it necessary. Later on, Ariel is daydreaming about Eric that prompts Sebastian to sing the song Under the Sea, and we get to the Little Mermaid's show-stopping number. And it is a fabulous number. Academy Award-winning number. It is. And what that did during the uh early 90s? 89. 89. Yeah, so came out probably mid to late 89. In the early 90s then, you could not escape a elementary recital that wasn't doing Under the Sea. <laughs> you couldn't swat a cat without hitting Under the Sea at that time period. Overused in that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I love the song. I appreciate its greatness, and every time I do sit and listen to it, I really enjoy it. But usually if it pops up on my iPod, I skip it just because I'm so overexposed to it. I kind of feel that way about most of the show-stopping numbers. Like, Be Our Guest, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. They're just never my favorites to start with, and then those are the ones that you hear ad nauseum. I feel like Disney also used to play parts of musical numbers from movies on the Disney Channel all the time during the commercials. They would just be like, here's a minute of Under the Sea. So I just feel like I was bombarded with those songs all the time. We were. But all that said, it is an incredible song. I found myself typing my notes to the beat of it while we were listening to it. Because I I haven't listened to it in a long time. But that's why it got overused. is because it is such a great song. Don't get me wrong. Exactly. So Triton has learned from his other daughters that Ariel is in love. So he asks Sebastian, what's up? He's like, man, I wonder what merman it could be. This is the best news. But he does it in such a shady way that makes Sebastian all, like, worried that he's in fucking trouble. Yeah, so Sebastian thinks that Triton knows that she's in love with a human, and then he lets it slip that that's true. And that she went to the surface. And Sebastian, like Flounder, just can't be fucking cool. (laughs) And Ariel gets ratted out by her fish friends again. Triton is hissed with a capital P. And he goes to her little nook where she's hidden all of her dingle hoppers and all of her treasures. And gizmos yep. Plenty, yep. Starts scolding her for going to the surface and falling in love with this human. And they're all terrible fish eaters. And she says, you don't even know him. And in my head, I thought, bitch, neither do you. <laughs> this is one of those movies that as you see it as an adult, you're like, Bleh. I get where Triton's coming from. (laughs) Well, he doesn't handle it right. He does not handle it right. He has a huge temper tantrum and destroys all of her shit. And that does no one any good. But. Be cool being dead. Oh, John Roderick. Oh. How you have fallen. But yeah, you you don't know him. You don't know him. No, but. Girl, you don't know him. You don't know him. But the fact that somehow Flounder has gotten the statue in there as well. (laughs) That kind of made me go. That is one buff flounder. I didn't even think about that. I don't don't know why in my brain it just magically (laughs) happened to waft down to the exact spot where all of her shit is. Flounder later can not even barely pull Ariel's weight on a barrel, but was able to get this two-ton statue in her little (laughs) tiny cave. Which has a teeny tiny hole in the top. I don't... How did he get it in there? I don't know. Magic. Don't ask questions. It Disney does magic. exist. Disney magic. Disney magic. It works in this. Yes. He made a deal with Ursula. There you go. 
So Triton blows up all of her shit. He gets like really aggressive. It's a little scary. It's it, abusive dad. Like, and yeah, I, as much as I was joking healthy. about being dad and whatnot, like whatever, this was a bit much. Yeah. He storms off after destroying all of her things. She's crying and Flotsam and Jetsam come in to make her an offer she can't refuse. Wait, they try and kill her? <laughs> no, they leave a horse in her bed. Oh, wait, what? A seahorse? <laughs> she finally agrees reluctantly to go to the sea witch for help. They convince her. Yeah, it took a lot of convincing. Yeah. She's like, no, I would never. And then they just <laughs> flick a piece of Eric's statue at her. And she's like, I'm just kidding. I'll do it. <laughs> Star swipe. We're at Ursula's. Yeah. So she starts swimming into the cave and there's literally a garden of souls of these little worm people that Ursula has turned into worm people because they couldn't hold up their part of the contract. Yeah, she straight up tells them. Yep. And Ariel sees this and seems a little concerned, but still goes through with it. Whereas Flounder and Sebastian are like, fuck this shit. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Ursula, we get her in her full glory. Listen, I know queer coding ain't great, and Disney does it a lot, and that's not awesome. But I just fucking love Ursula so much. Uh, she rocks it. She's so good. She's so fucking good. Okay, let me let me just say, and, and I don't mean this in a pervy way, I she rocks that big bod. Yeah. She knows how to rock it. Yeah, I mean, she's based off of a drag queen. She's based off of Divine, and you can tell. Like, she's got that confidence and that swagger, and she's just so overtly sexual in this fun, playful way. Like, I just love her so much. But then we go into the Poor Unfortunate Souls scene, which has to be one of the best villain segments in the history of Disney. Oh, it's, it's it, so good. Yeah, so good. The animation is incredible. They do this really good job of, at points, making her face almost look like a creepy clown kind of face. Yeah. They'll just distort it a little bit to make it really unsettling. And they use the lighting of her magic to both highlight her and then also show her as a monster and show her as the evil witch that she is. And the lighting color usage in this scene is phenomenal. Yeah, there's these yellow accents as part of her magic that keep popping up and causing these really dramatic shadows. It's so cool. Yeah. And Pat Carroll's vocal performance is just out of control. She's so good. I mean, second to none. Yeah. And talking about songs where people always sing high, Ursula is living in that alto zone. This yeah. is one of my favorite karaoke songs. If I were to ever sing karaoke in front of people, which you will never <laughs> catch me doing ever again. It's such a good alto song. And I love that it's not just a great song because it's not just her singing about her evil plot. They've thrown in some of these inherent issues with the patriarchy and how men only want women to be silent anyway. So you don't even need your voice. There are just so many other Use layers your body to language. It. Yeah, it, oh god, it's so good. It's one of my favorite Disney songs. Certainly one of my favorite Disney villain songs, 100%. Again, don't mean to bring it to now, but I looked at Kate and said, she's doing the Trump thing where where he says the quiet thing loudly, and, and she does it. She she straight up sings to Flatsome and Jetson, like, right in front of Ariel, and it's like, what the hell? Now I've got her, boys. Yeah, like, what the hell? Ariel signs her life away, and now she has legs and no voice. Even though she just said, I got her. Yep. Ariel's very pretty, <laughs> but maybe not the smartest Disney princess there ever was. So Ariel has legs now, and she goes up to the surface because, oh, hey, I can't breathe underwater anymore. Fun fact. Let's not talk about whether we have gills or lungs or anything. It doesn't scan. 
Yeah, Bob tried to figure out the logistics of that after the movie ended, and I was like, just don't, just don't think about it, buddy. Just run with it, run with it. <laughs> so anyway, she's about to drown. So she hauls ass to the surface. Scuttle meets her up there after she has gone off to the shore, and he's like, oh, hey, you have legs, I finally realized. And he dresses her up in a sail because women on land wear dresses. And she's got some serious boho chic going on with the <laughs> sail wrap that she's yeah. got going. Some rope. And Eric meets her, and he's like, oh man, is this my girl? But then she has no voice, so it can't be his girl. Oh no. Because no one has laryngitis. That's right. Ever. Ever. But they invite her to the castle so that she can get her life together, and they can try to figure out who she is and how they can help her. And she's and pretty. And she comes to dinner in the fucking pink dress. Yeah. Why? Why? Why did they think that it was a good idea to put a redhead in a pink dress? Don't do it! <sighs> it's so bad thank god they've updated it and made it teal and like modern stickers and pictures and stuff she's wearing a teal dress now mm. because they've realized their horrible horrible mistake mm. that's probably the only big problem with this movie is that fucking pink dress it's so ugly i never found it that bad but i i've never looked at it that consequentially oh it's not good um. and then when you see it next to the teal dresses that they have her in now oh there's no comparison anywho I mean, didn't you just compare them? I mean, I did, but the pink dress got squashed. Gotcha. To the ground where it belongs. Ooh. Next we go to Sebastian <laughs> in the Kitchen. This song was an interesting choice. It was. They didn't have to teach kids about the violence of gutting a fish, but here we are. We're going to enjoy it together with a flamboyant Frenchman and a crab who's afraid that he's going to get gutted multiple times over the course of the song. It's very enjoyable, but man, it's weird. It's a weird scene, and it sticks out a lot. So Beauty and the Beast came after this, right? Yes. It was very close to Be Our Guest's melody. I could see that, yeah. It was Be Our Guest, Les Poissons. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. it's yep. very close. I got you. Both Mencken, so yeah. that makes sense. And he's French, so I mean, there's that, but... Oh, yes, not... No, Louis. I thought you meant Alan Menken. No, I was like, no. Louis. <laughs> Louis the chef. Louis the chef. Um, Sebastian somehow manages to survive that scene, and... To me, this is the actual plot of the movie, is the Louis Sebastian. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a very short movie that you saw. Well, yeah. But then we go to Sebastian in Ariel's room with her, and Doozy is totes on board now, and he's trying to give her tips on how to make Eric fall in love with her, and he's kind of a big old softy. And it's a cute little scene. I really yeah. like that scene a lot. It's a great scene. Uh, so next, Eric takes her around the town to explore the town, and this scene, she's wearing an adorable dress. It's light blue and navy blue, and much, much, much better for her hair and skin tone. Yeah. There is an homage in this scene that I never hear anyone talk about, and I want people to talk about it. There is an old Disney cartoon from, like, way back when of a man and a girl ice skating. It was kind of meant to be a Christmas cartoon. It's in one of their old Christmas collections. Okay. But they are skating on a lake, and then they go on a carriage ride, and while they're on the lake, the ice cracks, and he has to save her from a waterfall, I think. Oh. But they used the animation from the carriage ride in The Little Mermaid. When they cut to the shot of her running the carriage, and she's got kind of a weird expression, like a weird blank expression on her face. Oh. And he's in the carriage and slowly rises up like, holy shit, I almost died. That is the exact same animation from that old cartoon. Interesting. 
Yeah, and I don't know if they did it just because... Budget? Because I know that they would overlap that kind of stuff in the past. Right. Like, there's multiple dance scenes from Robin Hood and, what is it, Sleeping Beauty, I think? They animated over the old cells so they don't have to work through the anatomy of the scene all over again. Right. It's being I think Jungle Book did a lot, too. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a situation like that or if it was meant as an homage, but I feel like I've never heard anybody else talk about that. And my parents and I used to watch that Christmas cartoon every single year. So it stuck out so heavily to me. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting little thing that I've I've noticed that I haven't really seen people talking about. See, that's the kind of thing I do want you to tell me about during the movie <laughs> so I can so I don't have to go back and watch it again. I'm sure I can find the cartoon somewhere online even if I don't have it handy anymore. So anyway, after they go explore the town together, they go for a little rowboat. I almost said stroll. You don't stroll in a rowboat. <laughs> They go for a little row in a boat. <laughs> and then we get the kiss the girl sequence in which Sebastian is trying to recruit all the local wildlife to help them stir up the mood and encourage the two of them to kiss for the first time. And I kind of, this song is a little bit like under the sea. I don't always tend to listen to it when it pops up on my iPod. I'll kind of skip it pretty frequently. But when I actually sit and listen to it, it really is a beautiful song. Musically, it's gorgeous. It's just kind of sung in a little bit over the top. Because you have Scuttle in there doing his weird seagull cawing and stuff. <laughs> yes, thank you. So they kind of throw in these comedic aspects that I think kind of distract from how pretty the song actually is. I really do like Under the Sea. And 99.9% .9 of the people, when you ask, oh, what's your favorite song from The Little Mermaid? It's either Part of Your World or Under the Sea. I am the 1%. You like Kiss the Girl the most? Kiss the Girl is the best song in this movie for me every Kiss time. the Girl was also nominated for an Academy Award. Part of Your World was not, but yeah. Under the Sea ended up winning it. Under the Sea is a showstopper. I get it. And that's gonna get those votes. Kiss the Girl is just, it's a fabulous arrangement. It's beautifully sung. It's not a tenor. It's got comedic moments. It's dramatic. And honestly, to a point, it's almost the pinnacle of the movie. It's so close. And then, Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, they ruin everything. They are about to kiss, but Flotsam and Jetsam flip the boat over at the last second. But Ursula, who sees this through their eyeball cams, says that that was too close of a call, so she comes up with another plan. Next we cut to <laughs> one of my favorite fucking scenes. Eric is in an emo cape playing the recorder alone at night. And it is just like On peak 2020 energy. <laughs> Like, he's straight up Batmaning. He's got a cape. He's up on a ledge. After he's done playing the, the flute, flute, not fruit, playing the flute and staring off to the distance with his cape. I was like, man, this is so fucking 2020. I'm just going to sit here alone, isolated, staring out into the sea with my emo cape and my recorder, and I'm just going to play my feelings. <laughs> I burst out laughing while we were watching it. And the funny thing is... He just came out of this romantic boat ride with this gorgeous girl who really is the girl he's thinking about. He just doesn't know it. And him and Grimsby are sitting there and he goes, yeah, I just really wish I could find that girl. And Grimsby's like, maybe she's right in front of you. Yeah, like maybe this hot redhead ain't so bad, bro. <laughs> so anyway, then Ursula disguised as Vanessa starts strolling down the beach singing with Ariel's voice. So Eric is like, oh my god, that's the girl. 
And also, I forget this part. It isn't just the fact that she has Ariel's voice. She magics him into falling in love with her. Which props, because just the voice would have been a little too fairy taleish. Like, seriously, she just has the voice, so now yeah. you're instantly in love with her. <sighs> no, it's it's definitely a magical roofie. Yeah. Um, so, is this one of those Mandela effect things with anybody else? When I was younger, I remember that Vanessa looked exactly like Ariel, but brunette. Rewatching it this time, she looks nothing like her. Yeah, she's brunette, but I, I, somewhere in my brain, I had made the association that she literally looked exactly like Ariel, but was brunette. Anyone else? Not me. I always remembered her having kind of Ursula-like pointed features. Maybe I'm from the other dimension that got collapsed with this one. I don't. I mean, that would explain a lot. So the next morning, Ariel wakes up. And she runs down the stairs, excited to see Eric. And because Scuttle has told her that she's getting married this day. Yes, Eric has announced that he's getting married. Not to her, to the rest of the town. Yes. <laughs> and as she's running down the stairs, I'm pretty sure that shot involves some CGI. Which I thought that they didn't use for this movie, but there was definitely CGI involved in that shot. Which would make sense because they use CGI in Great Mouse Detective. And that came out before this. It's just a weird scene to integrate it. It's just Ariel running downstairs. I mean, stairs are a bunch of really straight, sharp lines, so they probably are a pain in the ass to animate. Yeah. Anywho, uh, yeah. Uh, Ariel runs down the stairs and sees Eric with his new bride, who is not her, and she is heartbroken. So Ariel is sitting on the dock with all of her animal friends, being sad. Scuttle flies off to look at the wedding ship. That's apparently a thing. The wedding ship sails... You don't have one of those? Before sunset. I don't. And I don't remember you providing us with one for my wedding. See, uh, I did Did your wanna... first wife get a wedding ship? See, I didn't want to talk about it. I forgot about that. <sighs> don't talk to me. Anyway, Scuttle <laughs> sees Ursula's reflection in Vanessa's mirror. So he knows what's up. And I love Jodie Benson, who does Ariel's voice. She only had like four lines of a poor unfortunate soul's reprise that she gets to sing. But man, she was having a really good time getting to play evil Ariel. <laughs> yeah. She was like in it to win it for those four little lines. So Scuttle comes back and tells everybody what's up. Ariel and Flounder head to the ship. And this is what Bob was talking about earlier. Ariel is clinging to a barrel because she doesn't know how to swim. And poor tiny Flounder has to drag her ass and a barrel all the way to the ship. And he's struggling. He's trying so hard. But apparently, somehow, unless he outsourced it, he got that giant fucking statue into her little cave. Fuck yeah, Flounder. <laughs> Sebastian heads off to go get Triton, and Scuttle is charged with stalling the wedding. Scuttle recruits a bunch of animal friends to just break up the wedding, including a sea lion and dolphins. Do you know how much I would fucking pay to have sea lions and dolphins at my wedding? Mostly sea lions. Dolphins are assholes. But still, like a couple dolphins would be cool. Do you remember when we went to the uh, aquarium and saw that dolphin screwing with the sea turtle that it wasn't supposed to have in its tank? <laughs> yeah, I sure do. <laughs> God, dolphins are the worst. They are the worst. He was a dick. They're terrible. Don't Google what dolphins like, do. They're bad, yeah, bad like, guys. Don't get me wrong. They're adorable and they're beautiful creatures. But they are the jackasses of the sea world. Yeah. But anyway. Yep. Sea lions, however, are like the dogs of the ocean. 
and yeah. I would have killed to have a sea lion at my wedding. In amongst all of the kerfuffle, Ursula's necklace gets broken and Ariel's voice goes back to her body. Hooray! Ariel and Eric go in for a kiss once he realizes that she is in fact his true love all along, but the sun sets right before it can happen and she turns back into a mermaid. Sun's getting real low, big guy. <laughs> she goes back to the ocean um, because Ursula grabs her and drags her down there. Ursula now has the leverage that she wants. She says to Triton, hey, I got your daughter's soul. What you gonna do about it? And Triton, being a loving father, sacrifices himself and signs away his soul instead. And Eric has swum down because he's a badass and he wants to help. He throws a, what do you call those things? Like one of the whaling. Oh, a harpoon. A harpoon. Thank you. He throws a harpoon down. Ursula tries to strike him back with the trident. She misses and hits Flotsam and Jetsam instead. And then we watch little parts of their body float down to the floor. Like, I think there's an eyeball floating around and around. <laughs> like, it was a little bit grotesque. <laughs> and she's like, my babies. Yeah. But anyway, it was gross. But then she is like, now I'm going to fuck y'all up. I'm all done. And she gets gigantic. Fun fact I learned researching this movie. She wasn't supposed to get huge at the end of the movie, but apparently one of the higher-ups went to see Die Hard. And then when they pitched the end of the movie to him, he said, I need more Die Hard. What? So the result was that they made her bigger to make what? it more exciting and action-y, I guess. I, so, so, <laughs> I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so when Ariel and Eric fall off her crown... That's really representing Hans Gruber falling off Nakatomi Plaza? It would seem so, yes. <laughs> New headcanon. There you go. So... So that makes this a Christmas movie. No. Uh, <laughs> get off of my podcast. <laughs> Fuck you so hard. Okay. <laughs> so Giant Ursula makes a huge whirlpool... In this whirlpool is the ship. It's swimming around. It's not swimming. Sw oh. Ships don't swim. It's no. getting spun around in circles. Eric gets in the ship H hold and on. starts Before, steering it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't. I don't want to ruin ruin the big thing here. But I do want to say. So what I did like about the animation and whatnot of her getting big, she did the whole octopus like inking, and she was using the magic of Triton's trident. Yep. That's, a, that's a phrase and a yes, half. Yes, it is. <laughs> to make herself enlarge, like Rita Repulsa in Power Rangers. Yes. Sorry. So, back to the ship. Eric gets in the ship, and he steers this motherfucker to stab her right in the chest with what you and I call the Winslet. What's the real name for it again? It's the Bowsprit. Bowsprit, yeah. We play a lot of Sea of Thieves and we call it the Winslet because Kate Winslet stands on it in Titanic and that's easier for me to remember. And it sounds like the right term for it. It should be the Winslet. It sure does. So he stabs her with the Winslet and hey, we have another movie where a protagonist is directly responsible for dispatching the villain. He stabs mm. that bitch. Yeah, no, it goes right through her. Like, yeah. you see the front of the ship, you see Ursula, and then you see that sucker coming out the back. Through and through. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Didn't we just do a movie that had the protagonist, or a protagonist, actually take out the villain? We sure did, Bob. That was called Atlantis, The Lost Empire. 
that's two animated movies in a row that um, we, dang. That's a pretty good coincidence because it doesn't happen as often as you think it would. No, there's very few, honestly, that I can think of. Mm -hmm. So Ursula is dead. All of her spells are undone. Be free, Soul Garden people. Hooray. They are so just randomly vague merpeople. Yes. <laughs> Actually, they very much looked... Are there mermaids anywhere in Fantasia? They looked very familiar from something. Uh, There are centaurs. There are centaurs that are animated very similar. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Okay, making sure I wasn't losing my mind. No. So now Triton sees her, you know, gazing at Eric from afar, from the water. And he's like, man... She really does love him, doesn't she? And Sebastian's like, yeah. And Triton's like, you know, the only problem now is how much I'm going to miss her. And then he turns her into a human so she can be with Eric, which is cool. But also, if you can turn her into a human, can't you turn her back into a mermaid anytime she wants to come visit? Like, why is that a goodbye for everything? Because obviously you can just make that shit happen with your fancy trident. Or make yourself some legs and go up on the land. Yeah. Anywho... Don't overthink it. Yes. Ariel and Eric get married. She's wearing a very Lady Di-esque wedding dress. Very poofy. Yeah, it it was definitely Lady Di-esque. And we have a very choral ending. Very old school Disney music kind of. Choral, C-H-O-R-A-L, not C-O-R-A-L, which you might expect for a movie about the ocean. I liked the pun. I would have left it. (laughs) Just clarifying. And that's it. King Triton makes a big rainbow over their wedding ship and they so sail off. Ha- wait, wait, what? What is the extent of Triton's magic? I mean, I think he got a lot of it. He's basically a god. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I guess Poseidon, Triton. So that is it for the Little Mermaid, which means it is time for our rating. Bob, what are you going to give the Little Mermaid? I'm very... Is today the day? I don't think I can really do anything less than a 5.0. Yes! Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to find fault with it. Honestly, there isn't one. It's it's well written. It holds the test of time. It's got great musical numbers. It's got fabulous casting, beautiful direction. It's a great story, and it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, how do you not give it five stars? It literally saved the Disney Animation Studios. Yeah. It would have been dead. It saved it. And yes, there are plot holes. People love to point out that, you know, Ariel could sign her signature on the contract, so obviously she can write. So why didn't she just write on a piece of paper that she was the girl, but she just didn't have her voice? Yes, there are stupid little plot holes, but it's a fucking kids movie. Let it go. It is a beautiful movie. The animation is gorgeous. The music is phenomenal. The vocal performances are insane. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It has to get a five. So you're saying more Elsa, less Javert? Yes. Let it go. Let it go. More Elsa, less Javert. Little Mermaid. Five stars. Five stars. Yep. All right. Let's roll for next week. So so we're going to call that five emo capes? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, No, it's going to be five... Yeah, no, I like emo capes. <laughs> five emo capes. It was either that or seashell bras. Yes, five emo capes for sure. All right. Notice that Ariel wore seashells, whereas a lot more of the kinkier uh, mermaids use starfish. Oh, interesting. Because there are mouths in the center of starfish. <laughs> oh, God. Damn it. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm rolling the dice. <laughs> Seven oh nine is towards the end. There's only like seven hundred and thirty something. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just say seven something is only? Well, I'm saying there's. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Only seven hundred. Oh no! I think we've got. (laughs) I should never roll ever. I'm pretty sure that this is another. uh, If you if you pick the badger thing again, it's not the badger, but I'm pretty sure it's another. Disney Channel original movie. I mean, we're going to get them every once in a while, so. But we've had so many. (laughs) This one is Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. And you want to know the saddest, saddest part of this situation? I think I'm aware of this one. The next item down on the list is while you were sleeping. Oh. I could have had Bill Pullman. Instead, I have Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Yep. Is this the girl from uh, Zack and Cody? I have no idea. Hmm. Well... We hope you guys join us in two weeks for not while you were sleeping. <laughs> in the meantime. You can go watch while you were sleeping. Yeah, you should do that. Do that because I can't. Yeah, we're not going to get to this time. We're live and die by the dice, guys. <sighs> in the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. Or... You can shoot us an email the good old-fashioned way at DisneyRoulettePodcast at gmail.com. And remember... The human world is a mess. Ain't that the truth? <laughs>